vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Ganton, and today I'm sharing my journey to becoming a full-time piano teacher. Hello there, beautiful teachers. Welcome back to the show. In case you haven't noticed, this is actually episode 200 of the show, which is a big occasion for us. Now, I'm not someone who usually likes a big to-do on their birthday or on other occasions, so it was difficult for me to come up with something that would properly mark this episode, but still be interesting to you, maybe in a different way, and yeah, just mark the occasion in some way. I thought about doing a roundup of tips from guests or maybe introducing the team. Maybe I'll do those on a future show. But what I've landed on for today, for this episode 200, is to share my story with you. This is a little bit vulnerable for me, not because I'm not comfortable sharing my story, but it's a little bit too much of shining the spotlight on myself, so it does make me a bit uncomfortable in a way. But I hope it will be interesting to you. If you feel like, I don't care, I just want the piano teaching tips, then feel free to skip this episode. And also, if this is your first ever episode, you're welcome to listen, but you might prefer some of our more actionable shows. So we're going to start at the beginning, and I'm going to tell you my life story as it pertains to piano teaching. We're going to start with my first student. And please know, as I go through this story, that... None of this is a recommendation. This is not a tip show. So this is just how I did it. I'm not saying you should do it this way. There's certainly many things in my story that you should not try to emulate. And I'm not saying anything about your story is less valid because this is how I got here, right? So with that caveat in mind, let's talk about my very first student. I had been studying piano for about seven or eight years at this stage. I was around 15 or 16 years old. I tell this story, this part of the story, quite a few times, like people ask me when I started teaching, and I sometimes say 16 and sometimes say 15 and sometimes say both because I honestly can't figure it out because I can't figure out when in this year it was. I know which year of school, but not whether it was before or after Christmas. (laughs) So anyway, 15 or 16. And I was chatting to my piano teacher. This was actually my second piano teacher. She was an absolutely lovely woman. I'm not such a fan of my first teacher. I'm quite glad she let me go, as you may know from bits you've heard here and there from my story. But I had a first teacher who really just didn't warm to me. That's the way I look back on it. She didn't particularly like me. And she maybe preferred working with students who were more naturally gifted than I was. That's a whole other story, but this teacher was my second teacher, and I was chatting to her. She was great for really treating me. I had a friend who studied from her as well, a grown-up in a way. And I think it's because she wasn't actually that far off in age. She was in college when I started learning from her, so she was like 20, and by this stage she was probably 22 or 3, something like that. In this conversation with her, I think we were maybe talking about money, and she was saying, oh yeah, it's what kind of allowance do you get? And oh, it's so hard, isn't it, when you want to go out or you want to do this or that? Because, you know, I was 15 or 16, I wanted to do stuff and I had whatever small allowance from my parents. 
we were talking about the possibility of getting jobs and I think I mentioned to her that I had dropped CVs into local shops. CV is like a resume, right? Into local shops to try and get part-time work, but I wasn't having any luck. And she asked whether I'd ever considered teaching piano. I probably looked down at the floor, looked at her quizzically, and she explained that she started at my age. Why didn't I maybe give that a go? And this is basically the the extent of our conversation and the last time we ever spoke about this. Um, aside from one other comment, I can't remember us ever talking about it again and I never told her that I went out and got piano students of my own. I'm sort of weirdly quiet that way. I don't know, it was like a secret somehow, even though she had planted the idea in my head. Anyway, she probably didn't think any more of it, thought it was just a throwaway comment and a bit of chat and probably forgot all about it. She never mentioned it again. But I went away with a buzzing in my gut. I was nervous and excited and decided to create my first flyer using the ancient desktop computer that I had in my bedroom. So I had this inherited, already very old by that stage, and computers weren't very advanced anyway, <laughs> computer in my room. So it, it didn't have a CD drive. It could accept floppy disks, but it had almost no internal storage. So you had to like use the floppy disk to store anything. I'd managed to install a very ancient version of Adobe software on this, and I had been using it in a very frustrating way, but persistently <laughs> to create things for comic strips that me and my friend were doing. So I used it somehow. I don't remember how I created this flyer on it and got it to print out. And I created two versions. So one was a smaller one and one was the larger kind with the little tabs on the bottom, you know, with the phone numbers, you know, classic. Right. So I created that, printed them out and I went out on a Saturday or a Sunday put the leaflets, the flyers through lots of different doors. I had some sort of strategy in my head. There was something in my head about exactly which neighborhoods I wanted to target. I don't know where it came from. But anyway, I think I went to mostly estates because the houses are closer together. I put them through as many as I could. I went to any shops that would let me put a flyer up in the window or if they had a notice board and I put up the version with the tearaway phone numbers. By the way, this was my landline number. I, even at 15, wasn't stupid enough to put my mobile number on there. I'd probably been warned by my parents when I got my phone a couple of years before that. So yeah, this was my landline. So they were going to call through and get one of my parents probably. In a way, not so professional, but safe. I did that and lo and behold, someone actually called us back, which was amazing really didn't know if this would work at all. I mean, there were probably two things in my head. One was I'd be flooded by phone calls, right? You just imagine that possibility. But mostly I was expecting to hear crickets. So I did hear back from one family and they asked a few questions on the phone and said they wanted their younger daughter to learn. Their older daughter already had a teacher, but she was booked out. So could I come to their house and teach them? By the way, if you're curious, it was two euro extra per week for me to come to their house. Two euro extra. Wow. <laughs> for me to bike, by the way. I didn't have a car. We're not allowed to drive at 15 here or 16. So I started cycling to their house every week. I started her on GBDF and ACE. So this is the second tiny segment of a conversation I had with my own piano teacher about this. I asked her 
just out of curiosity, probably pretending to be nonchalant, what book she liked to use for beginners. And she showed me and told me why she liked it. I went and got it. But again, didn't tell her I actually had a student <laughs> to teach. I began her in GBDF and ACE and we moved through the various levels of that eventually graduated her onto exams. So I knew nothing about pedagogy. Really, I, I wouldn't have known that word. <laughs> I, Other than what I had absorbed from my own two teachers, especially my second one, since I preferred her, I just followed what they did. I was a nice teacher. I think I was friendly and maybe a bit fun, sort of, maybe. But just by virtue of being young, I don't think I did anything in particular. I pretty much just modeled it after what my second teacher had done, which I didn't have her as a beginner, so of course I didn't know the ins and outs of that. I don't think I was very inspiring in this period, but yeah, my students liked me okay, most of them. I would come, fix their mistakes, tell them to practice, and then come back the next week and do it all over again because basically they never practiced, most of my students. Scales, old pieces, new pieces, repeat, repeat repeat and then once you've finished a couple of levels of a method book start the exam pieces and on you go. I ended up teaching that girl for about four years before she eventually quit and I gradually added a few more students as well along the way. I kept a schedule of like seven students a week pretty consistently all through the rest of school so those students sometimes changed over but it was six or seven pretty much all the time. As soon as I got my second group after her, right, it was around six or seven, all the way through the rest of school, three more years of school, all of college. So that's another four years. During this time, my teaching style really didn't change much at all. I did my best to look for fun music for them to play. And, you know, if they requested something, of course, I would go look for that. And I'd go to the music shop in town and sort of look at all the books and really not have a clue what I was looking at. <laughs> because my own playing experience was so limited right so narrow not that I hadn't played much but just that like it was only what I had played and I had been in the exam system myself so that means learning not that much repertoire and then just a bit outside of the exams right I did my best to look for this fun music and take requests but most of them did exams and then just a bit in between and never really questioned whether I was doing it right. That's one of the bits that I'm almost embarrassed to admit now, except that I know that probably there are some of you out there in the same shoes. That's one of the things I've learned from connecting to so many other teachers is we don't know what we don't know. So I just taught the way my teacher taught me. There was probably a little niggle in the back of my head going, are you qualified enough to do this? But more in a piece of paper sense than a do you have any idea what you're doing or should you be doing anything differently? Like, is there more to this? So that was pretty consistent for the first seven or so years of my teaching. I enjoyed my teaching in that time more than other jobs I had part time, but it was just a way to make money. I liked the students. I was nice to them. I took pleasure in going to their house and playing some music with them. That was about it. I never thought of it as a possible career ever during this time. In college, I haven't mentioned this yet, but I didn't study music. <laughs> if you don't know that already, I studied fashion design. So I did a year of general art college, which is like a diploma. You wouldn't call it a diploma in other parts of the world. Anyway, that doesn't matter. But I did a year 
of general art and then got into fashion college with the portfolio from that. Worked all the way through college. When I graduated from college, I went and got a real job. I mean, teaching was only ever supposed to be part-time while I was a student. That's all I ever saw it as. It was a great way to make more per hour than I did in my other part-time jobs, which were a bar, a pizza shop. So I worked for Four Star Pizza for three and a half years, something like that. That was obviously a lot harder work and that was for minimum wage. So I thought my teaching made a lot more money during less time and that was great, but I maybe couldn't expand the hours as much and I knew I couldn't have it during summer, so I had these other jobs as well. Teaching was just like those to me in other respects though. It was just a nice college job, not a career. When I quit in order to start working in the fashion industry, I thought I had quit for good. But of course, as you know, music teaching has a way of finding you again. After working in the design office for a year, which was a paid internship role, I was actually offered a second year there. But I had some reasons not to accept it. Namely, I was about to get married and I thought I would be able to take a trip right away to meet my new parents-in-law in China, because my husband is Chinese. It actually turned out that I had to wait a year because that's how long it took for us to get a visa in order for him to leave Ireland and come back again. But that's a whole other story. I thought I might be taking this longer trip and I knew I wouldn't have the leave from this job in order to take that. However, if I was honest with myself at the time, if I really dug deep, that wasn't the reason I didn't take that job. My employer there, or my boss there, she offered me another year. She wanted to keep me on. And she even said that she could possibly work out a deal for me to get unpaid leave for that trip to China. While it was ostensibly because I couldn't take this trip and that was important to me, really, I knew it wasn't right for me. The whole time I had been there, I had this itchy feeling on the back of my neck that said, you shouldn't be here. This isn't quite the right fit. Many parts of it feel correct. You're good at it. I knew something was wrong. So I quit. I left that position after the year's contract was up. Then I became self-employed from that point and I started a bridal wear business. So I took a bit of time off in between these. I got married. So I prepped for the wedding, which was a few weeks after I my job finished up. And then after that, I started my bridal wear business. I made wedding dresses. There are actually some photos of these in the accompanying article. If you're curious about my first bridal wear collection, after that, I also made bridesmaids dresses and veils and things like that. So obviously, starting any kind of fashion company or bridal wear company is not the most instantly profitable thing in the world. I took on some other work at this time. Some of the work was in pattern making, which if you don't know anything about making clothes, so I'm talking about like the paper patterns that you use to cut clothes out, except I was doing some part-time work helping with the kinds of those patterns that you send to a factory. They're digitized, they're on this like old looking, old school looking computer program and you map it all out and, and lay things out for factories. I also worked in the shop where my dresses were displayed one day a week in order to have my dresses displayed there. And I worked five days a week in a Chinese takeaway, just taking orders, doing the counter job there. As I said, I worked in a pizza shop before, so I had experience with that. I mean, it was easy for me. Pretty boring, but easy for me to do. 
At this time, this is when I got back into teaching a little bit. While I was trying to make ends meet and make sure my new husband didn't have to shoulder all the burden of our finances, while I tried to make it in the bespoke bridalware industry, I remembered piano teaching, that thing I had been doing just over a year before this, maybe 18 months almost. That had been a reliable source of income for me for seven years, so it made sense to look for a few new students again. Now, we will say, at this time, I definitely got a feeling from family and friends that they didn't think this was the best idea. No one would have said that to my face. No one would have been anything but supportive. So I don't want it to sound like they were telling me, oh, that's, you know, you shouldn't be doing that or that's not a real job. But I did get the feeling, and maybe it more came from me, that they thought, okay, that was a pleasant hobby before you had a degree, but you're supposed to be working in fashion now, like, are things really that bad? That's kind of the feeling that went along with it. They were maybe worried <laughs> about the the financials if I was going to start teaching again. I was supposed to be making use of this expensive piece of paper we call a degree. All the hours I had toiled away at the sewing machine, the sketchbook, and the computer during that time. Fashion design is not an easy degree. This isn't, like, not to offend anyone, but an arts degree here where you do, like, 8 to 12 hours of lectures a week and then assignments. This is full on. So I had put in the sweat. I kind of understand if they had this idea that, oh my gosh, should you really be doing this again about teaching? However, none of us knew how much this would allow me to eventually put all these skills into use, all of it together. But that's coming up later. I repeated my flyers and posters tactic again at this stage. But this time I added Gumtree, which is like a listing site, and other message boards like that, whatever existed at the time. And that's when I got the student that would change everything. When I started teaching again, I got my first student, and this she actually came through Gumtree. Her parent found me there. She was a transfer student. I hadn't had many transfer students before. I mean, all, really almost none. And she wasn't just a transfer from another teacher. She was a transfer from a whole other system in another country where when you choose to learn a music instrument, you go to a music school that combines the academics and the music. And so you take music every day. You have a lesson every day. I mean, the whole system was just wildly different from what she was going to experience here. So it was a learning curve for her parents and for me. And she was also learning English at the same time. I mean, she had studied it in her school over there, but, you know, she was, I think, 10 when she came, so it was a big adjustment, right? She was thrown into school in Ireland, in English. She immediately started piano lessons again because that was really important to her and her parents. So for something, I can't remember specifically what, but something she was talking about didn't make sense to me and I wasn't sure about the translation or how I could teach her our system or something like that. Maybe it was to do with looking up the H instead of the B because she had the German system, I don't know. Anyway... I turned to the internet, because by this stage, the internet was a thing. I had never thought to look online for teaching ideas before that, because remember that semi-arrogance, semi-ignorance before that I didn't know I was lacking. I knew I was lacking qualifications, I knew that I could know more, but not so much about teaching, more about music. It was more that maybe my playing level wasn't enough. 
it never really occurred to me to look for teaching ideas for pedagogy, which is bizarre, but that's the way it was. This seems like a really obvious thing to do now, but this is the point when I finally turned to the internet and looked things up. Remember, before you judge me too much that I'd never thought to Google something, <laughs> that at this stage, I still had a Blackberry, you know, the kind with the full QWERTY keyboard on the front, the full computer style keyboard on the front. Some people had smartphones, but they were just the basic beginning ones. And I still had this Blackberry and it had WAP. Does anyone remember WAP? This was a way of accessing the internet that was just excruciatingly slow and basically unusable, except for checking your email. We were all still just about, wondering out loud about things rather than instantly Googling them. There were still those conversations happening in pubs where we go, oh, I wonder, and no one would think to instantly pull out their phone. It was all just about to change, but we were on the cusp of that. When I looked up this answer for this student, that's what changed everything. Once I looked up one thing to help her, I must have stumbled across someone's teaching blog answering this question. And that led me to another blog. And then I discovered so much that I had no idea existed. I discovered I could teach preschoolers. What? You don't have to start piano at age seven or eight? I discovered I could improvise without being a jazz pianist. I discovered that you could play games with students. And so much more. Big things and little things. It was suddenly all in front of me. And it was so exciting. This was what I didn't know I'd been missing before. Now that I found it, I wanted to be part of it in whatever way I could contribute. I had learned how to build a website on WordPress for my bridal wear business. And so I got to work putting together one for my teaching business, thinking it would help me attract more students. And when I began teaching preschoolers and needed more games for them, I started sharing the graphics I was creating for them on this blog. It was the natural thing for me to do at that stage because, number one, when I needed a particular game for a student and I had those examples of other bloggers who had talked about things they had created or shared some freebies, I had that example and I had an idea or wanted a particular resource. I already had the skills to create that. That was never a question to me because I had all this essentially graphic design training. I mean, I didn't do graphic design, don't get me wrong, but as part of fashion, you have to use all the Adobe Illustrator. You have to design graphics for t-shirts and stuff like that. Those little mini creations, one of the first ones, by the way, was the keyboard builder, which is the groups of two and three black keys. Those are what eventually turned into bigger creations and then articles and eventually became vibrant music teaching more on that below. We've still got to journey all the way to full-time piano teaching with a waiting list. At this stage, I still had my bridalware business and I was running these two websites and kind of trying to promote both at the same time. And I still had all my other jobs. But gradually, my teaching hours expanded. I got more inquiries through my website and families referred me to other families. You know the story. My bridal wear was slower going. I got some commissions and I did make some sales, but it just became a smaller and smaller portion of my income as the teaching side grew. Though profitability is important, the bigger reason I gradually let the teaching take over 
was that it became more exciting to me. It turned out that piano teaching was the creative career that I had been looking for this whole time. Working in a design office sounds like the more creative option, doesn't it? But it mostly equated to hours upon hours of technical drawings, which I was good at and enjoyed in some respects, but there was only a sprinkling of idea generation in there and actual creativity. Creating occasion wear meant a lot of sales, marketing and client management with a few hours of creation each week. But teaching, that's where I got to be really creative. Every single lesson is a new opportunity to problem solve. Every single day is a chance to come up with an outside the box resource that helps make music learning easier and more fun for that student or lots of students. If you just looked at the bullet points of my work up to this point and what I was doing, someone would think, looking from the outside in, that I failed as a designer and fell back on teaching. But in the end, teaching wasn't my backup plan. That's never how it felt to me. It became my vocation. It took over because it was the most exciting thing. It was getting more of my energy because it warranted it. After several years of being a full-time piano teacher and loving it, and my waiting list building up and then staying pretty full as I maximized my teaching hours, that's when I wrote my first book. It was called The Piano Practice Physician's Handbook. It is called that, I should say. It's still out. And I created a course to go alongside this and gradually started to form an idea for something bigger. What I imagined was a games library to end all games libraries. I wanted it to be sortable by concept, student level and number of players so that teachers, me included, could find exactly what we needed for a particular student or group. I was so frustrated by how haphazard my selection of games was and I had a vision for something better. And this is when it started to bubble inside me just like when I first started teaching. Just like that buzzing that I had in my gut when I thought about the idea of teaching for the first time, when my teacher planted that in my head. So I leapt. I worked furiously in the summer of 2017 to reformat the games I had up to that point or make new ones and put together a website with a beautiful, filterable library. I worked on this in secret. I don't think I told anyone what I was doing. I don't think I could have explained it anyway, but I didn't try. This tends to be the way I work on really big ideas. They say secret for a while while I build on them and work on them a little bit and then I reveal it to people that I work with or to people in my life. So that summer of 2017 is also the first time I went to NCKP and the first person I told about this idea, which was honestly probably almost complete in terms of the game's work, I'd been reworking all these games, reformatting them, making them all consistent, all with the same type of instructions so that it'd be really easy to follow everything. And I'd been working on new ideas for games to add and starting to put together the website when I visited NCKP. So that's towards the end of July in 2017. I told Tim, my friend Tim Topham, this was actually the first time I met him though, in person. So we'd connected online for a long time before that. I told him about this idea as if it was just an idea. I wasn't lying, but (laughs) I described it to him. I wasn't really looking for validation or anything, 
but just looking to tell someone about it because it had been inside my head. I don't know if you've ever felt like that about something. He seemed to think it was a good idea. I don't know. And then I went home, finished it off and I launched it in September of 2017. So this was Vibrant Music Teaching, of course, my membership. And I had no idea if anyone would sign up. I put the word out. I had this three-part video to explain it. And after the first video, loads of members signed up. I hadn't even, quote-unquote, pitched it at all. I hadn't really explained what it was. I was just giving a taste in the first video. And I wasn't expecting anyone to purchase until the final video, if anyone did at all. Yet people did, right away. They took a look around, instantly liked it, understood what I was going for and where the lack was, I think, in the teaching world. And the response blew me away. And since then, we've gone on to include courses, tools and other resources to help teachers find more creativity, fun and freedom in their teaching. This has been such a privilege to me and it continues to be as we keep providing these resources and making the site as much help as we can provide to teachers as possible. Why am I telling you about this on my journey to becoming a full-time piano teacher? Well, that's part of my journey. The two things work side by side to me. Everything I do in teaching since I first discovered the internet is paralleled with something I do online. Not that they go exactly, not that I'm doing the same things in both, but they go side by side. And so although I do teach piano full-time, it is what anyone would call full-time numbers of students, I also do this other full-time job. I promise you I don't work that much, but I would still call my piano teaching full-time. I think most people would. The next stage of development for me was about hiring and mentoring other teachers. This is my final stage so far. I don't know what the future holds, but right now we have two other teachers at Colourful Keys. Like anything new, when I first brought these teachers on, it was a super nerve-wracking decision to make. I thought long and hard about whether I wanted to take this step at all. I don't think that you necessarily have to grow your teaching studio beyond yourself. I think it is perfectly valid to have a studio of three students and love having that size. I think it's perfectly valid to want to have 40 students and do all those lessons by yourself and not be interested in ever hiring anyone. Because that's a whole other thing. It's not just a continuation. It doesn't have to be the next step. However, for me, the reason it ultimately was the next step is because I wanted to have a greater impact locally. I believe that the work we're doing through Vibrant Music Teaching is helping to change the world of music teaching. We're contributing to this community, which is moving things into this century in the world of music teaching. However, I think that this country that I live in needs to come along for the journey. And although they're old-fashioned, shall we say, or teachers who are stuck in their ways, all parts of the world, I want to make sure that this country is not completely stuck in the past. One of the best ways I thought about doing that locally was to start a mentorship program. When I hired other teachers to work here, it was never just to hire staff. It was to train them as well as expand our teaching studio. And that's what we've done. Now, I explain all of that and the whole approach in our course, which is called the membership model. So if you're curious about how I do that, why I did it as well, you can check out that course. It's in the Vibrant Music Teaching membership, of course. So that's where I'm up to for now. I have Vibrant Music Teaching and, of course, this blog, Colourful Keys, and the podcast, 
a studio with two other teachers working here full-time, and myself. Now it's onwards into the future, and I have no idea what's going to happen, and that's what's beautiful about teaching for me, and about the online business that I run. I love how creative it is, and that means problem solving, that means new things all the time, that's why I've landed in this career above all the other things I've tried. As I write this, I've been teaching for about 17 years, which I can hardly believe, with that year gap in the middle while I worked in a fashion office. I've been truly loving it for 10 of those, the past 10 years. I'm excited about each and every day of teaching. I'm not going to say it's always easy. I'm not a liar. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I'm tired and I don't want to do it. But underneath it, I love every day of it. I love the surprises. I love the insights that students have, and I love coming up with ways to make this journey easier and more fun for them and for your students. So I wrote this post and recorded this podcast episode to celebrate episode 200. But I want to ask you to look forward to episode 300. So we do about 50 episodes a year, right? So we're talking about two years from now. Your one thing this week is to think about where you want to be when episode 300 comes out. Two years from now, where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? What do you want your teaching studio to look like? What do you want your life balance to look like? I would love to hear about that and your thoughts on your own teaching journey, as well as mine if you want to share in the comments underneath this article is on the Colourful Keys blog, as always. I hope you enjoyed listening to my little story here. As I said, it's a little bit uncomfortable, unnatural for me to shine the spotlight on myself like this. It makes me feel a bit strange, but I thought I would push myself outside my comfort zone for episode 200, and I hope you enjoyed it, despite it being a longer episode than usual. Let me know your thoughts. If you want to repay us in some way for the first 200 episodes, for the continuing episodes that we'll keep putting out there, then a review is always appreciated in your podcast app of choice. That's it for this week, folks. I'll see you back here for episode 201. If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Vibrant Music Teaching Membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up.